July 4, 1776. The unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America, when in the course of human events, human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government, laying the foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to let them seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence, indeed, will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. And according to experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their security, for their future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies, and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. <coughs> the document, the Declaration of Independence, goes on to list the grievances against England, which I won't go over here. We have enough of our own. So it concludes, we therefore, the representatives of the United States of America, in general Congress assembled, appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions, do in the name and the authority of the good people of these colonies solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown, that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved, and that as free and independent states, they have full powers to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish con commerce, and to do all the acts and things which independent states may of right do. And for the purpose of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Signed on behalf, signed on order, and behalf of the Congress, John Hancock, President. 
I don't know if you've ever seen, um, what's the name of the Nicolas Cage movie where he stole the Constitution? National Treasure. National Treasure, thank you. A couple of times in those movies, both that one and the one that followed it, he says, nobody talks, <coughs> nobody talks like that anymore. And it's a shame because we need to b revisit that language and see what the original intent was. And um, when you get language like this today, you will never see in government documents anymore any reference to God. And their primary reference here was, was God. So what we're going to do is um, I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to um, pledge allegiance to the flag because we were founded as one nation under God. And um, as, as we do that, let me just remind us, uh, this is not about um, patriotism as a cult. This is about giving thanks for liberty, okay? And the author of liberty is God himself. So, would you join me, please? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Would you remain standing, please, as the, uh, the ladies come up, and we'll open with the Star Spangled Banner. Gentlemen. Stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight. Or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming. And the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Oh, say does that star-spangled banner yet wave O'er the land of the free and the home of the brave Oh, thus be it ever when free men shall stand Blessed with victory and peace, may the hand-rescued land praise the power that hath made and preserved us a nation. Then conquer we must when our cause it is just, and this be our motto in God is our trust. And the stars. 
from study.com, written by Laura Lohman. On July 4th, 1895, on July 4th, 1895, the Boston Weekly newspaper, the Congre uh, Congregationalist, offered its readers a new poem by uh, Miss Bates, Kathy Bates, Catherine Kath, uh, Lee Bates. That had a uh, the poem had a true patriotic ring, ring pertinent to the Fourth of July. In printing the verses, the Congregationalists extended an over 200-year tradition of newspapers and magazines offering their readers new poems and songs well suited for commemorating the Declaration of Independence. And while the poem would go on to become one of the most widely known patriotic songs in the United States, "America the Beautiful." was not originally written to commemorate July 4th. Instead, Catherine Lee Bates wrote the poem after reaching the top of Pikes Peak in Colorado, being instantly impressed by the beauty and the landscape she saw. It was stunningly different than what she had seen while living in Massachusetts for over three decades. <laughs> she had been born in Falmouth, Massachusetts, was the fifth child of a Congregationalist minister and school teacher, and she graduated from Wellesley College and became an English professor thereafter teaching high school and preparatory school. Bates wrote her original four-verse poem, America, in 1893. The version that was published in 1890, this version was published in 18, uh, 1895. Bates subsequently revised the verses and her revision was published in the Boston Evening Transcript in November 1904. Bates made further revision of the third verse, and it was then reprinted in 1911. The completion of this process led to the version of the four verses that are known today through the song, America the Beautiful. And uh, we're going to sing the song, and you can see what, visualize what she was talking about <laughs> uh, from the tops of, tops of Pike's Peak. Uh, the, the clouds at, 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 uh, in the evening are generally purple. You know, and, uh, it's, it's a beautiful song. Oh, beautiful for spacious skies, for amber waves of grain, for purple mountain majesties. Oh, beautiful for 
You have blessed us with this beautiful land and granted our people stewardship under your countenance to develop and perfect a way to live which was unheard of under any prior kingship or empire. You brought the pilgrims here so that they could worship you without restriction on their faith. And you have allowed us to encourage the idea of freedom in every conflict, every critical consideration of current issue and have allowed us to build a philosophical wall of freedom to thwart evil throughout history. There have been speed bumps, speed bumps along, the along the road that you have shown us. We are human and fallible and sometimes the pursuit of happiness has taken detours into the dark, into the dark forest leading to perdition. Please give us the strength to navigate that road you paved for us. Please help us to realize that the progression of freedom leads directly to you, O Lord. Please help us to reject the shiny bauble of secularism and to make our country the shining city on the hill, as Ronald Reagan called it. Use us, Lord. You have blessed us beyond measure. Please give us strength to carry out your will in everything we do and to carry freedom forward throughout your world and we pray this in the most holy name of Jesus Christ Amen. Amen. my Savior Redeemer Lifted me from the miry clay, Almighty, forever. I will never be the same, cause you came near. From the everlasting to the world we live, the Father's only Son. And you lived, and you died, and you Almighty forever 
and you rose again on high, and you opened the way for the world to live again. Hallelujah for all you've done. Sisters, would you read with me the responsive reading, Psalm 119, verses 41 through 48. May your unfailing love come to me, Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then I can answer anyone who taunts me, for I trust in your word. Never take your word of truth from my mouth. For I have put my hope in your laws. I will always obey your law forever and ever. I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. I will speak of your statutes before kings and will not be put to shame. For I delight in your commands because I love them. I reach out for your commands, which I love, that I may meditate on your decrees. Amen. So, um, 
from the uh, Grace and Truth Study Bible. Uh, each line in this sixth stanza begins with the sixth Hebrew level letter uh, WA, W-A-W. This stanza expresses earnest desires and strong resolve in a society composed of believers and unbelievers. The dedicated psalmist is a target for taunting, and he wants to be prepared with truth. He relies on God's laws and commits to speaking boldly, even when he faces intimidating circumstances. Twice he says he loves God's commands and senses great freedom because he is committed to the only unerring source of truth. So this this verse, this, this whole set of uh, Psalm, Psalm 119 are acrostic poems. You know, anybody know what an, ac an acrostic poem is? It's the poem where certain letters in each line spell out a word or a phrase. Wa, W-A-W, uh, is, um, which uh, word is that? that that's a, that's a, um, Right, it's in, in, in the Hebrew alf alphabet. And the main focus of these verses today is about freedom. We are free from eternal con condemnation because Jesus died and rose again for all of our sins. Our sins have been forgiven forever. And uh, as for the word wa, your word W allows A, me to walk W in freedom. Your word allows me to walk in freedom, W-A-W. See if uh, <clears throat> if Chip Chip did a great job. But the Hebrew pronunciation of that is Vav, believe it or not. Let's stop you, but it's Vav. And um, <clears throat> the Hebrew language is very picturesque. Uh, if you want to learn the alphabet, just learn Psalm 119. That's got the whole Hebrew alphabet in it. Uh, you'll need some help in pronouncing them because uh, when I looked down at Chip's paper. He did it exactly right. I saw a Wawa. <laughs> so Bonnie, uh, your influence here has uh, has has rubbed off. You know, there is no freedom apart from Christ. There really isn't. People may think they're free, but they're buying a lie that Satan sold to them, if I can put it that way. <clears throat> and we need to uh, talk about that a little bit more a little bit later. Uh, I know that we're in the process of uh, trying to finalize the, the trip to uh, see Moses up at Sight and Sound. Uh, if you have any questions, see Janine uh, afterwards. Is that okay? All right. People coming up to her money today, and uh, it's like, that's a good thing, but we want to get everything together and know what we're doing. <coughs> So um, if you have any questions, see Janine on that. Thank you to everyone who helped yesterday with the uh, free lunch distribution. Uh, it went very well. Uh, also, Janine's been putting a lot of work into that. So uh, she's been very active. Yeah. Uh, the first delivery was a little bit chaotic. Uh, yesterday went like clockwork. I know Ann was there and uh, Melissa and the kids. and. Uh, several of us were there. Frank was there. Uh, Javier was there yesterday. And thank you, Lord, for young backs, uh, because some of these bags were heavy. Uh, so that went well. And we, we still need more donations. Uh, you see pasta back there. 
Yeah, uh, the next call is Saturday, okay? Delivery the following week, but they have to get everything set up. So um, I'll be here uh, part of Wednesday and Thursday if you want to drop stuff off, okay? Uh, come by and we'll, we'll get it all, uh, all done. Tomorrow I'll be in and out. Uh, so I don't know where I am half the time. But anyhow, uh, please continue to support that as, as we go forward. People are very appreciative. Uh, there's the ice cream social coming up. There's a sign up up, up there. I think we even have the ice cream that we need. But um, if you want to come, please sign up. When you eat ice cream in church, there's no calories, okay? I guess I'm not supposed to lie, right? Uh, but come, it'll be, it'll be a good time. Uh, in our prayer time today, we have several things to, to pray about. Um, first of all, again, I want to thank you for coming out on a holiday weekend. And, um, you know, I wish more people would come, to be honest with you. Uh, and uh, it would be nice during this time of uh, celebrating our nation's independence that we realize again where that independence came from. Uh, and that is God himself. Uh, so uh, thank you for coming out. No prayer meeting Tuesday. No men's group. See, I got, I got him away from the microphone this time. No, no men's group Tuesday night. We will have roundtable on Wednesday. So if you want to come up to the Towns River Community Church, um, I think Pastor Fuji might be there. If not, I'll cover for him. And um, we, we had a rather animated discussion uh, this past Wednesday, which was good. Uh, so uh, if you can attend, that would be great. And then the following week, Lord willing, we'll be back to our normal schedule. Uh, I think that's all the announcements I have. Um, I'm looking. Everything else is in your bulletin. This is a great bulletin, by the way. I don't know if you've seen it. It's got the Bible and the flag. And it says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Boy, we need to proclaim that. We need to proclaim that. And there's more information about the summer lunches and uh, sight and sound and other things coming up. Uh, leadership, I th we have a meeting in two weeks, I think it is, right? Uh, so we'll keep you uh, abreast of that. Uh, Listen, hang in there with the air conditioning because this air conditioner works well. The other one in the other room decided not to work. Um, so this should be cool enough, right? Good. Okay. As we go to prayer and uh, offering, I'm going to ask uh, those helping with the offering to come up. Before we wait upon you for the offering, um, uh, many of us, uh, I think, know uh, a Corliss. Uh, Corliss is a common name around here, especially in Weartown, right? And um, uh, Trina, who, who I've met, uh, had some unfortunate things happen. A while ago, her mom passed away uh, in an auto accident. Stepmom. And now her dad passed away from, in an accident. And the service, I think, is going to be Sunday. I mean, uh, Thursday, correct? Okay. Um, 
so we we want to pray for Trina. She's moved out of the area, but I know she'll be up. You know, she's here uh, for this. This is tough for you know a young person to go through. And uh, uh, as we do that, I want to pray for our nation. Our our nation needs to come back to basics. Um, you know, I our only hope is in Christ. That's all I can say. Our only hope is in Christ. So, would you pray with me, please? Father, as we come together as a church family and we pray, we want to lift uh, this young woman up, Trina, who's tragically lost a stepmom and a dad. We pray, Father, for comfort for the family during this time of mourning. We pray, Father, that as uh, people get together to celebrate his life, that the gospel, Father, would bring comfort to those who are mourning. And, Father, it's been well said that for a Christ follower, the, the grave is not the end. That the moment a believer shuts his eyes or her eyes, on this earth, we open them to see our Savior. And so, Father, would you comfort the family, comfort those who, who will miss uh, this man. And, Father, uh, we pray that whatever happens in the services would glorify you. And, Father, as we give to the work of the kingdom, thank you. Thank you that we have this opportunity. Father, um, your word tells us that everything you give to us came from your good hand. It belongs to you. And so, Father, as we worship with a portion of what you give to us, may we do it freely, gladly, voluntarily, with an expectant heart, Father, that you would use these funds to expand the kingdom of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. Go ahead, guys. In this country, if you're born in this country, you automatically become a citizen, correct? All right. Uh, you know, my, my own mom came from Italy uh, to here, and um, uh, I still remember the day when she became a citizen. Uh, and she was, she was so proud of it, you know. She, now she's, I said, yeah, mom, now you can pay taxes. But... Uh, <laughs> You know, I mean, she was so proud of it, and she ought to be. I wonder how much we've taken for granted. Uh, I wonder if we realize that even with the problems this country has, we're still in the greatest nation in the world. Uh, you know, I wonder if we realize the cost of the freedom that was won here. And then I have to go a level up, if you will. I wonder if we realize the cost 
of the freedom that we enjoy as Christ followers. We are a people who forget. We're no better than the Israelites. God did a miracle, the next day they're complaining. Right? God does another miracle and they're complaining even more. God supplies them food in the desert and they say, we don't like the menu. They would have starved. We tend to not appreciate the blessings that God bestowed on us. I'm afraid that's where our country is, too. Uh, we don't appreciate the blessings that God has uh, uh, bestowed on us. Unfortunately, our cultural morals and ethic has moved so far away from the Christian Judeo-Christian ethic that they're barely recognizable. There's almost no interlap anymore. So we live in a secular culture. I mean, there's no question about it. In fact, a culture where God's not welcome, uh, uh, certainly a culture where Jesus isn't welcome, but we have a culture that will entertain and celebrate all sorts of sin and obscenities. I wanted to address with you from the passage today that whenever there's bad theology, you're going to have a bad outcome. And I'll explain what I mean by that in a moment. Everybody has a theology. Even an atheist has a theology. The atheist theology is that there is no God, right? That's the atheist theology. So whether, you know, whether people realize it or not, everyone's got a theology, and everyone has a worldview. The problem is original sin has tainted every area of our lives to the point where we're apt to believe a lie more readily than we are to believe the truth. All you have to do is read the newspaper or turn on the news and see what the latest lies are. This whole concept of truth has been lost. Sad to say it's been lost in the church, too, to, to some degree. I want to focus primarily on what Jesus focused on in this passage. This is the third debate now between Jesus and the Pharisees. And the Pharisees uh, were trying to, of course, uh, get Jesus to commit blaspheme, and, you know, and they wanted to kill him. That, they wanted to kill him ever since he raised Lazarus from the dead. And so this is all coming to a head now, just as God intended it to come, right? But I want to uh, correct uh, a lie that is bad theology that has happened in this country, and I hear it more and more. Um, I'll hear people say when the issue of salvation in Christ alone comes up, by faith alone, I'll hear people say, ah, we're all children of God. No, you're not. 
We're born in the image of God. That's biblical. But the only way we can come a child of God is through faith in the personal work of Jesus Christ. There's a big difference. Many times I'll hear this from people. Oh, we're all a child. And, you know, this comes from the mentality now that, uh, you know, when kids play sports, we don't want any losers. Right? Yeah, everybody gets a trophy. You're a winner, you're a winner, you're a winner. No, somebody's got to lose, you see. Somebody wins, somebody loses. And unfortunately, what this do, it doesn't build up the child's self-esteem. It doesn't even prepare them for real life. And people want to make themselves feel better when they talk about religion and say, well, we're all children of God. Well, you know what that, that statement says? Then? then we don't need the cross. We don't need Jesus Christ. And we're all going to heaven. That's another lie. You understand that, okay? So let's uh, delve into this passage. It's a great passage. The Jews who had believed him, uh, Jesus said, this is in the middle of debate now, if you hold to my teaching, you, really, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth, truth, will set you free. Just that verse, those two verses itself, I picked up five marks, five or six, six marks of a disciple of Christ. Now, I want to be clear here. When a person puts their faith and trust in, the, uh, in Christ and in Christ alone and they're genuinely saved, they become not a convert, they become a disciple. Isn't, isn't that what the Great Commission says? It doesn't say go out and make converts. It says go out and make disciples of all nations. Teaching them, Jesus said, all that I have taught you. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. So here's what I picked up from that. Being a disciple means you're open to hearing the word of God. But that's not all. You're open to reading the Word of God. You're open to studying. Studying is not a swear word. You're open to studying the Word of God. Oh, Pastor, I'm too old. No, you're not. Let me tell you this. The older you get, you can't afford not to study the Word of God. If you were going to buy a house, you you would want to know everything about that house in the neighborhood, correct? Well, listen, if you're a Christ follower, we're guaranteed a place in heaven. Wouldn't you want to know as much as you could about your future home? Hear the word of God. Read the word of God. Study the word of God. And then putting what Jesus teaches us into practice by faith and in the power of the Holy Spirit. We can know a lot up here, but if we don't do it, put it into practice, it means nothing. It means nothing. And the sixth one is to persevere and to abide in Christ by faith alone, and we will continue to grow in our faith. In those two verses, you see that, right? Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
I don't want to gloss over that too much because how do you prove the truth to be true? You do it. All right? And when you do it, you see the promises that God puts with that truth and you see you realize them and now you're set free. And you say, boy, the word really is true. I've seen it work in my life. You know, it's often said that many, many believers, well, professing believers who aren't involved in studying the word and, you know, growing, they're, they're like a millionaire or a billionaire who never opens their bank book. They have no idea how wealthy they are. Here's our bank book. It's right here. I don't care what your financial status is, what kind of job you have, if you're retired, uh, it doesn't matter. When we realize the truth that Jesus teaches us and we put it into practice and we were, we were set free, then we realize that we're the richest people in the world. You see, original sin makes all of us prone to bad theology. Isn't that right? You remember when Eve came in, uh, when uh, the serpent came as a friend to Eve? He asked a theological question. Does God really mean what he says? Surely you won't die if you eat of the fruit of the tree of, of uh, good and evil. Yeah, you, you really won't die. And he planted doubt in her mind. And that's all Satan can do is plant doubt. He can't make you do anything. You're responsible, and I'm responsible for my actions alone. So, you know, the fruit started to look good. That's what the scripture says. I don't know if it was an apple, a peach, a grape. I have no idea. Scripture doesn't say. Whatever it was started to, to look good. And with that doubt in her mind, Eve decided to test. And then she got her husband to do it. Adam wimped out. And through one man, sin came into the world. That's original sin. And it's been transmitted to us. So as we have to realize that original sin makes us prone to believe lies faster than we believe the truth. Don't you see that today? <laughs> This is no big secret. Look at the uh, following verses. They answered him, meaning the Jews, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. These are the Jews. How can they say they've never been slaves? Talking about believing a lie? Being self-deluded? We've never been slaves. No, what do you call the years in Egypt? What do you call the captivity in Babylon and Assyria? You've never been slaves. So they're starting with a lie. And he says, how can you say that we will be set free? And Jesus answers that. He says, uh, very truly, which is in the original language, amen and amen. You know what amen means? Let it be. 
uh, wasn't original with the Beatles, okay? <laughs> Let it be. I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. We are born slaves to sin. We may be born into a nation that's free, but we're born with original sin, which makes us slaves to sin. And people will say to me, you know, well, you know, look, look at babies and all. And I said, listen, over my years, I, I, I have noticed that it doesn't take a, a child long to show, to show their rebellion. <laughs> Does it? That's part of the sin nature. We were like that, they're like that. We're born, in fact, we're born slaves, but we also have a terminal disease because sin always ends up in spiritual death and physical death. Jesus goes on to say, now a slave has no permanent place in, in the family. Back then, if you were a slave in the family, they could do whatever they want with you. They could tell you to get lost. They can you know, say, now you got to work for me for another five years. Um, they, were, they were not permitted to eat with the family or take part in family functions. And, and the Jews understood that. But anytime you see a but, you should, you should circle it. But a son belongs to the family forever. So if indeed the son, with a capital S, sets you free, you will be free indeed. Let me put that in, in a little bit more modern day theology. The moment a person truly repents of sin, turns away from sin, turns to the Savior and say, I need you. I know you went for me on the cross to die for my sin, paid the full penalty for my sin. Lord, would you, would you come into my life? At that moment, we're free from the power of sin. We are no longer slaves to sin. Doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. But the power of sin then has no hold over us. And, and it also means that the disease has been cured. We're going to have a place in heaven when the Lord calls us home. Eternal life to enjoy with God. Now I'm going to say this. If we never come to that place where we put our trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we remain slaves. And the outcome's not good. And this is where Jesus is going in this. Look at the next one. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, right? Abraham was the father of the Jews, correct? By the way, we're all descendants of Adam and Eve, all right? So we're connected somehow, right? Yet you are looking for a way to kill me. Who committed the first murder? Yeah. Yeah. And that was after the fall. Right? Jesus says, look, you're looking, you're looking to kill me. You, you're, you're looking to violate one of, your, one of the commandments. You're looking to kill me. This is the part that's concerning for me. 
because you have no room for my word. That hit me like a ton of bricks. So I have to ask you, ask myself, what shuts the word out of our lives? Or who shuts the word out of our life? Now listen, blaming everything on the devil doesn't work. You're responsible for what you do. Devil isn't, okay? He wants to put obstacles in front of you that distract you, that keep you from the word, that keep you from Bible studies, that keep you from service, from keeping you being the disciple that was outlined in the first two verses. Sometimes we have to sit and do an inventory of our lives. We have to make adjustments in our schedules. Maybe watch a little less television. Maybe be a little bit more disciplined with our time. I want to suggest to you for a professing believer, the most dangerous place to be is shutting the Bible, staying away from worship, staying away from prayer meeting, staying away from Bible studies, because now Satan has won. And the outcome isn't going to be good. We're going to get in all sorts of trouble. We know that, right? Because you have no room for my word. This, this is frustrating for me as a pastor because I'm, you know, myself and you are ministering in a culture that has no room for the word of God anymore. Isn't that right? If that was true, we wouldn't have 10 million genders. If that wasn't true, the womb wouldn't be the unsafest place to be in this country. If that were not true, then road rage. I mean, I can go on and on. That's why I'm very cautious about pastors and churches pinging on political things. That's why I say our hope is never going to be in Washington, D.C. I don't care which party rules. Our only hope is in Jesus Christ. That's where true freedom is. And it doesn't matter if we're under a dictatorship. Well, I mean, it does, but understand what I'm going to say. Or if, we, if we're still under freedom, when you're a follower of Christ, no one, not even the government, can take our freedom away. Do you realize the largest churches are the ones in countries where it's illegal to share the gospel? <laughs> Those people are free. And many have given their lives because they refuse to renounce Christ. Listen, we have to be careful here. 
Jesus says, I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you are doing what you have heard from your Father. So Jesus is saying, look, I don't say anything apart from what my Father, God the Father, tells me, but you're doing from what you heard from your Father. Now they're getting confused, because they're saying, we just told you our Father is Abraham. But look how they, they try to come back here. Abraham is our father, they answered. They're a little bit arrogant now, right? If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. What did Abraham do? He believed God. And to him it was reckoned righteousness. He was free. Says as it is, you are looking for a way to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You were doing the works of your own father. Now they're really confused. But look what Jesus says. Well, here, we're not uh, illegitimate children. They protested. The only father ha we have is God himself. They figured, okay, we're going to throw this back at you. Jesus, yeah, the only father we have is God himself. And Jesus responds this way. He said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. Why? Because he was God in the flesh. Fully God, fully man. And then he goes on to say, for I have come here from God. He did not come on his own. God sent his son, the exact replica of him. God sent me. But Jesus doesn't leave it there. He says, why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. And he knows they're not deaf, at least uh, uh, physically. Now he identifies their father. You belong to your father, the devil. Oh, and he tells them why. You want to carry out your father's desire. Now he lists some of the characteristics of the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. He rejected God. Listen, anytime you reject God, you're rejecting truth. Okay? There is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. Whoa. For he is a liar and the father of lies. How would you like to have somebody like that as your father? Then he goes on to say, yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? This was an opportunity for the Pharisees uh, to really now repent of their self-righteousness, their arrogance, their bad theology, and, and come to Christ. And Christ says, whoever belongs to God, here's what God says. The reason you don't hear me is that you do not belong to God. 
by now their blood pressure is so at a joint, right? Says the Jews answered him, aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan? Talking to Jesus. You know what a Samaritan uh, was back then? Someone who was half Jew, half Gentile, they were considered lower than low. And not only that, you must be demon-possessed. Imagine say that to Jesus. That's blasphemy. In fact, in the other Gospels, it says that's the unpardonable sin. You must be demon-possessed. Listen. This is serious stuff. As our culture buys into more of the lies, even in the church, we got to be careful if we buy into more of the lies. Whenever I hear these uh, trite sayings or euphemism, um, Lord, forgive me, but my blood begins to boil. Okay? Um, I hear somebody say, well, everybody's a child of God. No, that's not true. Or, gee, I believe in karma. Do you really? Well, let me tell you what's going to happen to you. You don't need karma. All you need is the scripture. Right? Well, there is no God. All right, if that's what you want to believe, I think you'll find out different when you die. You know? I mean, I'm not trying to be facetious here. I'm just saying there's a point where we have to say to people, you're believing a lie. Billy Graham used to say something that has always impacted me um, at his crusades. You know, people would bring friends who, who were unbelievers. And uh, these people, they, they prayed for for more than a year, you know, before the crusade. And Billy Graham would uh, give an invitation. But he would preface the invitation with this. Christ may never be this way again. In other words, this may be your only opportunity to meet Christ. Why is that? Because if you put it off, God forbid, you get in the car and a drunk driver kills you. God forbid, you, you, know, you, you walk out and you have a fatal heart attack. I mean, I mean we don't know what, see, it's 20 to 25 to 12 right now. We'll be done shortly. Uh, but I don't even know what's going to happen at a quarter to 12. Do you? I can plan, and that we ought to plan. But I'm not the boss. And I don't want to be the boss. I want to be a slave to Jesus Christ. So as we come around the communion table, let me in, in reiterate the truth of what Jesus said to Thomas. When Thomas was, you know, he, he was the skeptic. He was the doubter. Um, I actually like Thomas because, you know, th there's a difference between being a legitimate doubter and skeptic or being argumented, argumentative because you want to prove a point. The Jews were arguing, the Pharisees were argumentative to prove a point. But this is the way Jesus put it to Thomas. I am the way, 
the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So unless you have come to that point in your life, you can't call yourself a child of God. Because at the moment we believe we're adopted into the family of God. And no one can ever take that away. And, and God will never unadopt us. We become sons. And for the first time, we are free to follow Christ and prove his truth to be correct. So can I ask those who are helping to serve communion to come up? This is a time, um, Paul gives us good instructions in Corinthians where we need to come together and be quiet and examine ourselves. Um, let the word of God, the spirit of God examine our hearts. If there's sin that we need to confess and repent of, do it now. I mean, God, listen, the promise is that uh, for us who, who know Christ, if we sin and we confess our sin, Jesus is faithful to forgive us because that's been paid for on the cross. And not only that, but then to cleanse us from unrighteousness. So we need to self-examine ourselves and come to the table in a worthy manner. And I'll ask you to do that now as the, as the bread is passed out. And I'll ask you to hold the bread and we'll partake together. You know, last week uh, or the week before, we sang a song, um, I think it was last week, uh, Charles Wesley wrote, after he had been a minister who was not converted, who was not a disciple of Christ, until a Moravian pastor took him aside and said, listen, did you ever consider the cross and what Jesus says about the cross? And he was gloriously converted he believed the truth, and the truth set him free. 
And he writes that in that song, And Can It Be? Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, would die for me? When Jesus took the bread at that last supper, he broke it just as a symbol as, as his body was going to be broken on the way to the cross and on the cross. And he says, look, when you do this, remember me and what it cost to win your freedom. Would you eat, please? I'll ask that the cup be passed out. Would you hold it and we'll partake together? You know, what we commonly call the Lord's Prayer is actually a model that Jesus set up for us to pray. Do you remember how, uh, uh, how it starts? Our Father. Right? You can't legitimately pray that prayer if you're not a child of the King. When Jesus gave out the cup, represented his blood that was going to be shed for them to atone in full for your sin and mine. He said, this is the symbol of the new covenant that I am with you always till the end of the age. That's another way of saying to you that once you believe, you're a son forever. Would you take and drink? can't exclude the women, you're a daughter forever also. So, Listen, our God is awesome. And we, we have to stop thinking of God as the one who is obligated to do what we want him to do. We have to start thinking about God as the sovereign, the ruler, and the one who knows what's best for us. As we take the fellowship offering, um, I can tell you, and Janine 
if I'm wrong, I'll stand corrected. I have never seen so many people in need before in my life. Legitimate need, okay? For the bare essentials, food, right? Uh, something to eat. So as you, as you give to the fellowship fund, if you feel so moved to give, um, part of that is, is to help people who have a legitimate need. So we wait upon you to do that now. Suffering, 
good all the time and all the time God is good again thank you for taking time to come out today and worship our great God I would encourage you uh, be safe this weekend enjoy the 4th of July holiday don't eat too much I will and just be blessed know that every good thing comes from God's hand let's pray Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for all you do for us. Father, help us to bless you in the good times and the bad. And Father, help us to trust you through it all. I pray this, send us away with your blessing. And we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said? Amen. Very good. God bless. Have a great day.